KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. It's January 12, 2022, and yesterday we got more information on that tragic fire that happened one week ago today in Fairmount. And today we'll talk about what happened scientifically to make that fire so big and so dangerous, plus that second fire over the weekend in the Bronx, and what we can do to keep ourselves safe during situations like this. You've all met our resident fire expert, Michelle Durham. Uh, She, of course, has been very, very close to this story, and she joined us. I was really moved by just the emotion in this conversation. I mean, you can't see it, but here in the studio, I could see her welling up with tears. And this is such a tough thing to talk about. But Michelle has been talking about it and giving us the important information we need. And just really grateful to her for that and grateful that we get to share this conversation with you all. Obviously, tough, difficult topic matter to talk about, especially in light of some of the new details that were essentially confirmed on Tuesday. But in light of that, I guess the only thing that you can do is try and move forward and apply some lessons to how you live your own life. And without question, if you have not heard Michelle's coverage yet to add on to what Sabrina said, listen, internalize and apply what Michelle is going to tell you because it's vital info. Michelle Duran will break all this down for us and only the way she can as passionately as she does about things such as fire safety. That's coming up here on the podcast today. But first, let's get to a rundown of today's headlines. What day in the newsroom wouldn't be another great day without breaking news? And yesterday it was of the surreal scene of a helicopter crash on the front lawn of the Drexel Hill United Methodist Church. Now, that scene alone made national news. It was leading on newscasts around the country. And it's being called a miracle because, for one, the helicopter, when it crashed, it did not catch fire. And two, there were four people inside this helicopter. It was a medevac helicopter flying in from Maryland. All four of them were able to get off the helicopter safely, and one of those four people was a two-month-old baby girl. Now, KYW's John McDevitt was on the scene in Drexel Hill and was able to describe it like this. You heard the call come out. The first call, I said, no way. And then the second, then the third. My heart just dropped. That's the superintendent of the Upper Darby Police Department, Timothy Bernhardt. He says the 911 calls started to come in at 1 p.m. The calls continued, and it was that a helicopter was near crashing. And they could tell that by the the, the height that the helicopter was dropping rapidly. And you can see behind here, the pilot, again, it's, it's truly a miracle, like we said here, that pilot was able to get that down there and save all lives. Now, this morning... KYW's Tim Jimenez checked in on the situation, and he talked to Upper Darby's fire chief, Derek Sawyer. Well, it's ironic that this helicopter landed in front of a church. And if that's not divine intervention, I don't really know what is. So yesterday, as all this is going on, I'm standing in the newsroom getting ready to do my 3 o'clock newscast for Philadelphia Afternoon News. And at the time, things are moving so fast, they're giving the media update and... Our anchors aren't able to hear it because we're doing about five things at once. So I'm taking notes on this as it's happening. And I hear him say that there were four people in there and one of them was a two month old and they all get out alive. I mean, without incident, that thing doesn't burst into flames. It was a pretty incredible sight yesterday. All things considered that everyone got out safely. Yeah, that must take some incredible skill from this pilot who managed to, you know, they still crashed, but in a safe enough area, didn't hit any cars, any people, any homes, any utility wires. 
and they're all going to be okay. So props and gratitude to that pilot. As we're recording this right now, the National Transportation and Safety Board is still investigating, so we don't know exactly what went wrong that made the helicopter crash. But it's, you know, after the weekend and last week of news that we had, it is really amazing to see something that went, I guess, as well as it could have, given the situation. And if you look at the photos, it's not like there's a whole wide swath of the street or the sidewalk to park a helicopter, a medical helicopter down on. Somehow he did it. Truly, we were due for some good news uh, in this city. And uh, not to say that the story is any less scary or harrowing, but the fact that all four were able to walk away, figuratively speaking, of course, just uh, astonishing. It was not a lot of margin for error there. And the little girl who was on her way to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, by the way, she's doing okay, and everybody on there, at least physically, is doing all right. Can't speak for mentally how that sort of thing will mess with you, but not a lot of margin for error yesterday, and that pilot did an amazing job getting that helicopter to the ground. We switch gears now and go from Delaware County across the river into New Jersey, where Governor Phil Murphy, he was busy yesterday. He signed dozens of bills into law, including one that solidifies same-sex marriage in the Garden State. This seems like something that we shouldn't have to do. It's kind of established right now, but made a good point that the idea is to protect against any potential future changes that could happen on the federal level with the Supreme Court, things like that. Outgoing state Senate President Steve Sweeney, on his way out the door because yesterday was his last day, said this pretty well. In a statement, he said, Marriage equality respects the rights of loving couples who deserve to be treated equally. The courts have ruled that same-sex marriages are a fundamental right, but we want to put it into statute to protect against any backtracking by the U.S. Supreme Court. It is the right thing to do. And the Obergefell case, of course, is the one that eventually led to legalization of same-sex marriage. That couple was from the state of New Jersey. Mm. So it's all fitting that it kind of comes back around to that. We also mentioned yesterday that Governor Murphy said he was going to extend the state's school mask mandate. Shortly after that, he declared a public health emergency to do so. And this is what he said when he made the announcement. Even the knowledge that illness from Omicron can be less severe is of little solace as tremendous number of cases, even with the lower percentage chance of hospitalization that comes with them, mean that we have more people in our hospitals today than at any point since the spring of 2020. Which is a pretty stunning thing to hear, considering that we've been all through the ups and the downs of this pandemic to get back to the point where you have to declare a public health emergency as this Omicron variant continues to just kind of run roughshod through the rest of the country. That is the point that kind of brings me back to where we are right now, is that, yes, Omicron is less severe. Yes, the hospitalization percentage is lower. You are fairly protected if you're vaccinated. We still got to protect against the spread of this because even with all of that knowledge, hospitals are being overwhelmed. There are just so many cases of this going all around. So we do got to think about the hospital capacity, what they're going through, and just do, you know, as we always say, do your best, keep safe, wear your mask, get vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. Again, let's try and keep the trend of some positive news with some serious stories alive. It sounds like based on what 
Cheryl Bedigal said today in the city's latest health briefing that there is a belief that maybe the peak of new COVID infections could be starting to experience a little bit of a drop. Fingers crossed. Positive test cases coming back down from 40 percent last week to 31 and a half percent this week. So it looks like there's a couple hundred differential fewer cases for the seven day average from yesterday to the previous week. So uh, fingers crossed, perhaps maybe we're starting to see a little bit of a drop. Everyone just keep doing safe, smart, logical things and get this thing over with. We want to get this thing over and done with. Any sign that this could be kind of leveling off just a little will take whatever we can get. Now, of course, you can check out all those headlines and so much more on our website, kywnewsradio.com. And coming up on the podcast, we're going to bring in my tag team partner on Philadelphia's Afternoon News, Michelle Durham, our resident fire expert, to break down all the information we've gotten over last week's fire in Fairmount, plus what that day had to be like for her as someone who's so close to so many Philadelphia firefighters. Keep it right here with us. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. After what's gone on the last couple of weeks, fire safety is at the top of everyone's minds. After a pair of tragic fires, one here in Philadelphia one week ago today, and then one this past Sunday up in the Bronx in New York City. So it's a good thing that we have our resident fire expert and my fellow anchor on Philadelphia's Afternoon News, Michelle Durham who was an honorary graduate of the Philadelphia Fire Academy, even though it seems like you should probably have a doctorate in this sort of thing <laughs> after what we've seen the last week. Michelle, thank you for joining us. I w- it would prefer to be under better circumstances than this, but it's been a tough week for you. It's been very tough. And certainly appreciate your willingness to come in here and talk about this. Knowing as much about fires and how fire departments work and what was going through your head last week, as you were in here when that fire kind of came to light in Fairmount, What were you thinking throughout the day as this whole thing was kind of evolving in front of us? It started before I even walked through the door. Candidly, Jay, um, I had received some information from my sources, and I knew it was bad. And I actually knew how many people were inside that house that didn't make it out. Um, And we, I just kept that until the fire department released it. Um, It's very hard for me. A lot of what Commissioner Teal described about the fire conditions in that building, every single thing that he said was true. There was zero visibility. High heat. And by high heat, I'm talking about 900 to 1,000 degrees at the ceiling. Toxic smoke filling the entire building. And it's loud in a fire. Rest assured Those firefighters did their level best, as our medics did their best, to save those lives. The thick, toxic smoke, which is responsible for the deaths of all those people. And you think about what causes that toxic cloud in your house. 90% of what you have in your home is plastic. It's petroleum-based. It's gasoline. So it goes up quickly, suddenly, often without warning, and it gives off that toxic smoke. And that's why having a working smoke alarm 
is so important. It's important every every day, all the time. But years ago, everything in our home was made of natural materials. Like back in our parents' day, you know, it was wood or natural materials. Today, it's all plastic. Even the stuffing in your cushions is made with plastic. So once that all goes off, that's why having that extra few seconds from your smoke alarm is so crucial. It was revealed yesterday as we learn more about the source of this fire. And it, it had been speculated for a second what exactly happened. Well, KYW's Kristen Johansson was there when, as you mentioned, Fire Commissioner uh, Teal talked about what exactly went down one week ago today. Officials say the fire started at the base of a dried out Christmas tree located on the second floor. A lighter was found nearby and they believe within 90 seconds the duplex was engulfed in flames. The only surviving person who was on the second floor at the time we believe the fire ignited was a five-year-old. Fire Commissioner Adam Teal says the official cause is incendiary but reiterated the child's age and says there were no working smoke alarms in the unit. Six of the seven smoke alarms were the nine volt battery style, five of which had the batteries removed. One was completely destroyed so we we don't know for sure but we believe that was of the same type and there was one in the basement that operated but it operated late a five-year-old yeah it's jarring to hear that part of it's five-year-old too young to understand maybe the danger was playing with a lighter near as you heard there a dried out christmas tree right we're not what three weeks removed from christmas last month you wrote about the risk of christmas trees catching fire from what you know about fire science, do you have any more insight into what happened here? It, aside from this, we'll get to the smoke alarm thing in a second, but what happened here with this? I can't even begin to describe to you the elements of spontaneous combustion. And it had to be one, I have chills now describing it. It had to be one of those moments where this child does what kids do. They experiment sometimes with things that they shouldn't. And when that lighter hit that tree, it went up in a second. It it just went up in a second. And that five-year-old is the only one to survive on the second floor. It's just unbelievable. When I heard that news... I was working from home. I immediately went over to my husband and said, and told him, five-year-old, and we both almost at the same time said, can you imagine this poor child having to live with that for the rest of his life, rest of their life? I believe that what Commissioner Teal said yesterday about our responsibility as journalists to report this carefully, cautiously, and with right, sensitivity, not to put blame. no, five year old kid. We can't re-traumatize this family another time. I won't be responsible for that. I I will not be a part of that. And I believe wholeheartedly what Commissioner Teal said, and that's why I repeat everything with as much sensitivity as I can. At the same time, my heart goes out to the family. And the smoke alarm issue, you know, people remove smoke alarms for a lot of reasons, Jay. Sometimes your smoke alarm's a little place a little bit too close to the kitchen. I have this at my house where I have to open up my garage door because it'll go off. And my, my husband, who is a firefighter, will come down and start, like, you know, saying to me, what are you cooking? You know, and but we don't remove the battery. We just open the door. Yeah. Some people remove the battery and then they forget to put it back. I have to, that's the situation that I have in my apartment. 
our fire alarm went off this morning. We don't even know why. And I was like concerned at the moment, but, you know, walked around. Everything was perfectly fine. That one in the kitchen just kind of goes off randomly. And so we take the battery out while we're cut. I don't see what other choice there is. Is there like a way to prevent that? <laughs> I think some of the newer smoke alarms have like a snooze option okay. on them. I don't know what you have. Um, I know there is that button on some of them that will at least stop it from beeping. I wouldn't, one of my when I lived in Michigan, one of my old apartments had the same thing. I would cook something and there might be the slightest of smoke gets there and that thing had a hair trigger, which in a way I kind of said, well, at least I know this thing works. It does. It <laughs> works. I, I certainly know this thing works. It's it's scary. And, and you mentioned the part of the five-year-old. This is a five-year-old. It's not like this was an adult or an older teenager, somebody who obviously could have known better. This is a little kid. I had a, a, I had a little natural, real Christmas tree on my desk in the newsroom. I leave town for 10 days, come back. I wasn't able to water it. That thing dries out, and the second you touch it, the, the needles are falling off of it immediately. And it was, that is what is the major cause of the fire, is just the minute anything incendiary touches that. It goes poof. Michelle, not to make a tough conversation even tougher, but I'll be honest. Another story that comes to mind is the fire in Quakertown on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning that killed a dad and two of his three kids. Um, reports said that that started in and around the Christmas tree as well. And my family's having conversations about whether or not we want to have an actual real Christmas tree in our house moving forward. Where do you stand on that? What's a way to do it safely? How do you think people should take this news in light of what's happened with a couple of these incidents? I think doing a review of your individual home circumstance is so warranted. If ever the time to do it, it's now. So for those who want and love the the smell of a real tree, and I'm one of those people, making sure that when you purchase the tree, that you're looking at those branches and you're making sure they're not crumpling in your hand. Having the people that you're buying the tree from cut that stump a little bit to get that fresh cut so it will soak up as much water from the stand once you get it home. For those of you who prefer an artificial tree, remember, you're packing it away for a year either in an attic or a basement most of the time. So it's either freezing or roasting, you know, depending on the heat of your attic. So getting out the tree each year and double-checking the wires, that pre-lit Christmas tree, and your extension cords. It's just being sensitive and aware of your environment, double-checking your smoke alarms, even though they've been on the wall all year. You know what? I'm going to take a second look at this. Christmas is a perfect time to do that. This fire, it was 12 people, nine kids dead. It's a, it's a stunning number to think about. And then four or five days later in the Bronx, it happens again with worse results, that same huge fire. But this one was a space heater, also in an apartment, also kills adults, kids, different style of building, same kind of fire. And when you think about it like a space heater, what could lead to something with a space heater turning into something that deadly in terms of a fire? Well, there's a number of things. If it's placed too close to anything, Jay, it's going to heat. If you think about a car rusting over time in a driveway, that's a slow pace toward a fire, whereas the fire can go from that slow rusting to spontaneous combustion. So if there is something close to the space heater that it heats up over time, heats up over time, it will eventually ignite Unfortunately, in the Bronx situation, the people evacuating the apartment did not close the door. 
There were some reports that the door was malfunctioning. I don't know what the situation is. The bottom line was close the door as you leave and evacuate because that allowed the smoke, that toxic smoke, to go through all the stairwells and prevent others from getting out. It does bring up an interesting point. Up and down the East Coast, really, here in Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C., New York, Boston, a lot of people rent. And that can make it hard to know the safety features from one building to the next, such as when were the fire alarms last checked? Is the structure, is the building structure able to withstand this fire? I guess those are all things landlords and, and companies can be in charge of, but they don't always share the information. What can renters do to make sure that they're safe? I think you need to take a really good look before you sign the lease. You want to look at all the exits. Are they big? Are they wide? Are they small? Where are they? Where are they in reference to the apartment that you're renting? What floor are you on? If you're in a brownstone situation similar to Fairmount or we have, you know, also duplexes in South Philadelphia, similar makeup, and you're on one of those higher floors, get a fire ladder and keep it under your bed, okay? Because often the architecture and the old style of homes, as was described yesterday in the press conference, doesn't lead itself to multiple exits. And remember, if you're in a duplex, you know, you'd have to check with L&I, but it's not the same as an apartment building that has to have a fire escape. So you need to have a second way of getting out, And that second way is going to be the fire ladder where it literally, Jay, it clips to your windowsill and you drop it down and it unfolds and it will support your weight. And one person can climb down at a time. That's that's really smart. And I think with a lot of uh, especially apartments in the city, there are a lot of these kind of converted row homes that have become multiple units. And, you know, I will be honest, the apartment that I'm renting right now I don't really know if it's completely up to code because I'm renting from a landlord. The market was so wild when I got this apartment that we didn't ask questions. Now we get there and, you know, I was saying to myself all day on Saturday, I don't know if Michelle would be mad at me for not doing this before (laughs) or proud of me for doing it at all. We went out and we got a fire extinguisher and we checked all of our fire alarms. And guess what? None of them had batteries in them. We just assumed they were closed. We were like, they have to be working when we're moving in. They didn't have batteries. So we had to go and put the 9-volt batteries in all of our fire alarms. Now they are working, I'm glad to say. But it's scary to know that that can happen, especially to people who rent. So check your fire alarms. Even if you think everything is is correct and, and in place, Double check. It's the simplest thing. Double check your smoke alarms. And remember, if you're a city resident, 311. Call 311 and you can get smoke alarms for free. They should be one on every level of your home. Carbon monoxide detector where you sleep. If you can only afford one, um, put it where you sleep. And these are the things, Jay and Sabrina, that give you that few extra seconds to get out. Because as we saw with Fairman, and I think it took a lot of people by surprise, but unfortunately not those in the fire service, just how quickly it becomes so volatile and so life-threatening. Commissioner Teal talked about the fire conditions in the building, 900 to 1,000 degrees at the ceiling. Wow. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Zero visibility. We've talked about this before on your show. And 
It's very noisy and loud in a fire, which a lot of people don't realize. You literally have to scream because between the SCBA that you have on and you're breathing in and everybody has to shout at one another to be heard because it's so loud and it's so volatile. This is an environment that can turn on you at a moment's notice. This is an environment where you literally have to crawl in. You have to test the floor before you take the next knee step forward to make sure it can support your weight. I'm guessing this is also why they suggest if you like I live in a high rise, for example, where okay. they where they say don't get on an elevator during a fire no. at all. This that that's one of those reasons you do not get into an elevator, for example. Right. I just want both of you to know the level of training and the dedication that these men and women of the Philadelphia Fire Department exhibit every single day. They are heartbroken over what they had to encounter in Fairmount. I've reached out um, to quite a few of them who were on the job, um, some I know very well. And this is something that's going to stay with them for the rest of their lives. They still go out and they still are there for you. And they will get you out any way they can at tremendous risk to themselves. And I took the same oath that they did. I stood there at graduation. I was in my class A's. I had the honor of being there and I had the honor of earning it. And I took that oath and I made that promise to put the lives of the citizens of Philadelphia before my own. And I took it just as seriously as they did. When we as firefighters take our oath... We are agreeing to willingly risk our lives in service to others. And we saw that commitment demonstrated on that fateful morning almost a week ago. Michelle, I know first responders go through a lot. You, having been through the fire academy... Having, being married to a firefighter, my father being a now retired police officer, yeah. there's a lot of trauma involved in being a first responder. What resources will they need to kind of help them get through this? Because just last week when we when we listened to some of the reactions of some of the firefighters where they just – you could hear this affected them deeply to know it was that many people plus a vast majority of it being kids. What resources are out there to help out first responders who are dealing with – a whole lot of trauma. That's a that's a lot to deal with. It is a lot, and it builds up over time. So just think about it, Jay. This was one job in one year, but you get layer after layer after layer over the years. And I can tell you just even being out briefly um, fighting fire in North Philadelphia, which is one of my favorite communities in the world, um, it does build up. Fortunately, the Philadelphia Fire Department has what I think is the best EAP department in the world. It's Employee Assistance Program. Battalion Chief Tom Kane and Karen Buka, 24 hours a day, seven days a week are available to any firefighter that needs them. So what happened after the Fairmount fire? Um, The members came back. Engine 34 came back to the station eventually. Rescue 1 came back to the station eventually. And they had what's called a critical incidents debrief. So this is where you sit around the firehouse table where You know, everything is discussed um, and grievances are aired and people sit down and they either choose to talk about it. Some chose to talk about it. Some chose not to talk about it. Nobody's privy to it. It all stays within the walls of the firehouse. But I can just give you like an observation. So they do that 
And then everybody is provided resources, and whether they take those resources or not is completely up to the individuals involved. Some of them will talk about it amongst themselves and work it out. Others will seek additional resources. Those resources are there, and they're provided by men and women who have walked in the shoes of these men and women. And there's just no better way to help them than by speaking to one of their own. Michelle, we cannot say enough how much we appreciate your perspective and insight on this because there was even a point last week where NBC 10, our broadcast partner, brought you on to help explain what was going on. That's the level of expertise she has. I am so honored to have had that training by the Philadelphia Fire Department, and I take it with me every day. And it's become my mission to combine that training with broadcasting to bring the message to help save lives. And you are all doing that today. Michelle, thank you so much of course. for coming in and joining us today on this edition of The Rundown, which is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. It's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook, and you can hear me every day on KYW News Radio starting at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's Afternoon News, along with Michelle Durham. You can also follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown, PHL. Again, The Rundown, PHL. PHL. Listen for free on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. We want to thank you for checking out this Wednesday edition of The Rundown.